So good. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look better than I do. Just, just go ahead and get humble. It's all right to say that. You just look better than I do. Tonight I'm going to be speaking, so I'm going to be speaking on uh, love demonstrated, what the love of God looks like, and we demonstrate it through our, our daily life, and we honor God, and as we honor Him, uh, through the power of love, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and everything else, and, and also love your neighbor, who's better looking than you are, love them too. Uh, that's the way it works. I... Uh, <clears throat> think that's important. I'm reminded of the story of the man who was uh, in line at the, uh, to get his ticket to board a plane to Detroit, and uh, he was just giving the clerk at the counter just a fit. She was being kind. He kept coming at her. He just kept saying things to her, berating her, and just the guy behind him just observed all of that. She kept her cool and everything else and never, never lost her patience, just seemingly stayed right with it. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Thank you. We'll take care of that et cetera, et cetera. Well, that guy left, and the other guy behind him walked up to the counter and said, wow, I, I want to admire you, let you know how much I appreciate you must be a Christian, and uh, the, the way you behave, you were patient, and you were loving, and you were kind, and you never lost it one time. And she says, well, you know, I, I do appreciate it. I try to be nice to, to everyone. He said, but you were just extra nice. She said, well, there's one little thing you may not know. Uh, you know, it's like said, you know, he had a ticket to Detroit and he got it, but I sent his luggage to Bangkok. <laughs> so, so it's important to let love demonstrate. And we're going to talk about that tonight. How many of you know somebody that's weird? I mean, just go ahead. You just know they're flat out weird. How many of you think they know they're weird? I'm going to tell you up front, I'm weird. Okay. So you don't have to say it. If you walk with me, say, you're strange, I'll take it. You're weird. Whatever else you want to say, I want to take it, okay? Because always tolerate those who disagree with you because they have a perfect right to their ridiculous opinion. And if you just learn how to catalog that, you'll make it through life. But there are some strange and weird people that we know. How many of you are related to a weird person? Okay. How many are seated within five feet of them right now? There you go. You tell. It's all good. Well, we're going to talk about strange and weird today, and it is rather, rather a thought-provoking message and kind of once again realigns us to, you know, how, how that we should live in a culture that is, that is anti-Christ. I mean, a culture that is anti-Christ. And I think we find that out as we read and we look at the news media, etc., but let's take a look at Jesus' teaching in Matthew's Gospel, the seventh chapter, verse number 13. And uh, here, here's what it says. Uh, Enter through the narrow gate, for, the wide, for wide is the gate that is broad and is the road that leads to what? To destruction. Not, you know, two, two steps back, but leads to destruction. No hope, destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to what? Life. So one wide road leads to destruction. The narrow road leads to a life. And then what does it say? And only how many? A few. Find it. How many of you found it already? May I see your hand? That wonderful road with the Lord. I'm going to say that normal is going to be the wide road, okay? That wide path that many find it, and I'm going to say that's normal. I'm going to say that's our present culture. 
And for the purpose of the message, I'm going to say the narrow road is where the, where the weird people are, where those that who are not in church, not followers of Jesus Christ, not committed, that do what they want to when they get ready to do it, and look at you strangely at, because what do you go to church every Sunday, you know? I mean, you pay tithe. You really do. You, you're a weird person, man. You are weird. That, that, that's the voice of, the, of those on the wide road. So we look at our culture today, and normal in that wide road is this for the purpose of the message. is a belief system that satisfaction, and we all desire satisfaction, and peace come from material possessions. The more that you have, the more that you make, the more comfortable you are. And once you achieve that, here's what happens to a lot of people as witnessed Many individuals that are famous and have all the money that they need have taken their lives lately, and we've seen that. There must be a hole in their heart because all that fame and all that popularity and all that money did not bring the kind of satisfaction that the people on that narrow road, that's the road I'm on, seem to, uh, seem to have. And why are, we, why are we happy? As a matter of fact, here's what I believe. I believe those that are followers of Jesus Christ, that's you, are better looking than unbelievers. Amen. I do. And some are pretty ugly, but you are still better looking than the average person who doesn't know Jesus. I believe it. You just seem content. You seem, turn to your neighbor and say, you look pretty good. That's all right. Now, now you guys, be careful. You look pretty good because here's the deal. You see a peace and an understanding and a joy and a happiness on a follower's life. You know, here's what we know. If you die, well, guess what? I'm going to go to heaven. Praise God. So I have that peace and, and that contentment. You see, because we know who our Redeemer is. We know that where our resource comes from. We know who it is. We know that when we're in a tight spot, we can call on him. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Here's what we know about people in the culture out there that just believe about anything. They're into religion. You see, they are blinded by religion. And that was true in Jesus' day. He deals with it. We're going to give you a little, uh, little cutout of what that means. Religion is man's normal attempt to reach God. So I'm going to do it by, okay, I'll join a church and, you know, I'll, I'll be a part for the purpose of my name that that's where I go to church. Well, how often do you go? Well, I mean, as often as, as it's convenient. Well, that doesn't quite match up. If you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. It's not being convenient about you. Everybody caught that, didn't you? The tribes in Africa and some of those areas, some of those tribes have a religion. They have a God, and they've never seen a Caucasian ever Religion is man-made, and often the rules are given to please God. And that's what happened in major religions of the world today. You have to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's kind of like, hey, kid, if you do this, do this, do this, you're my kid. You blow it, you're out of here, I'm telling you. I'll put you on the street, I'll cut your allowance off, and I'll start, start charging you back rent. Well, you know, that brings a kid great satisfaction. No, if I don't do all the right things, I'm going to get kicked out on the street. Hello? Or you tell your wife, you know, hey, hey, if you don't start doing what I tell you to do, woman, and he says that with a woman, I'm going to put you on the street. 
You understand? I'm going to put you out there. This is my house. This is my kingdom. When I come in, I'm going to sit down. I want the remote right there at the recliner. I'm going to glass of sweet tea. You hear me? That's sweet tea. I don't want you to make any more of that tea your mama makes. I want sweet tea like my mama makes. Hello? You think she's going to live in security? You better hope she doesn't lift weights. You say, that's so funny. It is so true in far too many areas today in a culture that, let's put it this way, they do not believe in God. And some of the religious teachings, you got to do so many prayers a day, et cetera, et cetera. And here's what Jesus had to say about it. Matthew's Gospel 23, verse 25. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Here we go. What are you teachers of the law and Pharisees? You what? Hypocrites. Hello, I heard one man say that the other day, read it. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-what? It's all about me, is what he said. For you, it's all about you. Don't try to tell me how to live. Don't try to tell me I ought to be praying. Don't try to tell me I ought to go to church. You know, when you fall in love with Jesus, nobody will need to have to tell you to do those things. You fall, fall in love with Jesus. And the New Testament has a perspective on religion as well. And here's what he says. The Old Testament says, Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says to these people, you come near me with your mouth and you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Your worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. That's the normal view. That's the wide view. Don't expect much out of me. Don't expect much commitment. Don't expect me to be at church on a consistent basis. Don't expect me to ever witness. Don't expect me to ever agree with the preacher, you know. Don't expect me to read the Bible all the time. This is what, and yet, I, I, you, you believe, oh, yeah, I got saved when I was four years old. Yeah, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was six years old. No doubt about it. But guess what? You got a foul mouth. You spit and chew and talk to your wife in an irreverent way and very seldom ever darken the door of the church. You know what the enemy's done? The enemy's blinded you of your own sin. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, people recognize a behavior that says that person must be a Christian. They must be. They must be a follower. What religion will do, it'll lead to pride or lead to despair. Jesus had two individuals, or he tells of two individuals that came into the temple. And one, of course, was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. You couldn't get any lower than a tax collector. The Pharisee, of course, was the religious icon, so to speak. The tax collector, everybody hated because he cheated them out of their taxes. They went in, of course, and they prayed. And here was the prayer of the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like that tax collector back there. What the tax collector do? Tax collector stood off at a distance, wouldn't even look up to heaven and beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And Jesus said of the tax collector, he was the one that would be justified. Why? The Pharisees said, I'm, I'm happy and I'm arrogant and proud about my religion. 
And the tax collector said, I don't have anything to offer. Just having breath is a miracle of Almighty God. Have mercy on me, God. Listen carefully. If you've received any favor of Jesus, if you've received any blessing from God, if God has given you and your children are healthy, let me tell you, it's not because you deserve it. It's because of the grace of God in your life. It's the grace of God. Religion will lead you to pride and despair, and that's un- unfortunate. I had a preacher friend of mine, his name is Craig. He, uh, he was a very unruly, well, he was a godless in college and university. If it was on the edge, he did it. And, you know, he got to feeling bad about it. He pastors a church now about 30,000. But he talks about, boy, in those college years, I want you to know, if it was out there to do it, and he could do it. And I came home one weekend, and my buddy had gotten, you know, had really, I guess, gotten saved. He got religion, wanted me to go to church. And he said, hey, you know, I'm sober this Sunday morning, so might as well go. And he, he went, and he uh, preached the message, and he felt moved about it. And at the end of the message, the pastor said, how many of you would like to do something spiritual for God? And he thought, hey, you know, I've been a pretty bad guy. I'm in church. I might as, well, might as well do something, you know. And he said, before I knew it, I raised my hand said, I'll give it a shot. He said, well, you know, what is it you want us to do? And the pastor said, before next week, I want you to read Mark 17. He thought, okay, I got that. Absolutely, I'm going to do that. Next week, passed around. His friend came around, want to go. You want to see how many read Mark 17? He said, yeah, and it dawned on him on the way. He said, man, I forgot. I intended to read. I forgot. I didn't crack the Bible open. I didn't, didn't even think to remember it. But he got to church, and, and the pastor said, okay, how many of you read Mark 17? He said, I, I'm, I'm, I know that I didn't, but I wanted to, and that's got to count, want to. So he shot his hand up. He's he was only about one of about four other people who raised his hand. Thought, wow, the pastor said, boy, I'm so proud of you. Why don't y'all stand? And he said, man, they stood, I stood. He said, they clapped, clapped. He said, I, I was feeling really good. He said, all right, y'all might be seated. He said, I, I sat down. The pastor said, okay, everybody, get your Bible and turn to Mark 17. He said, I grabbed the Bible and I looked. And I read. He said, man, 12, 14, 15, 16. He let a curse word out. He said, there ain't no Mark 17. Oh, God. He said, I'm going to burn in hell. He said, I'm going to burn in hell. And so those other four guys, they're going to burn in hell too. I just lied to the preacher, lied before the whole church. The preacher said, "You, you guys enjoy that. Message this morning on is thou shalt not lie. He said, I was a sinking ship. But have you ever had good intentions and you espouse that you did follow through with those good intentions, but you didn't? Nobody ever called your hand. You just know you didn't. You see, this morning, we're talking about that relationship as opposed to religion. We're talking about the narrow road and instead of the wide road that leads to where? Come on now, y'all. We're going to do some yard talk if y'all keep this up. Sure. Leads to where? It leads to destruction. That's a familiar word. In other words, that says that that which was 
is no more. That's what the word destruction right there. That which was is no more. You drill deeply, there's not even any evidence. There are no ashes that anything ever existed to destruction. In our world, let me use a little yard talk, is hell-bent on living the way they want to live in a religious environment. Now, I want you to know, I'm not the local religious policeman. I don't go around and say, you know, I saw you the other day. You know, let a few expletives off there in Walmart. Hello? Because they didn't have your prescription ready. When you got up there, hello? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not that kind of a policeman. I think God can police his own people. Amen? That's his business. My business, you know what I found out? If I can keep my own little wagon on the road, I'll be okay. How about you? But it takes a whole lot to keep my little wagon on the road. How many believe that? You didn't have to raise your hand. I ask questions sometime. Y'all don't raise your hand. That's one of the times you shouldn't have raised your hand at all. Now you hurt my feelings. Now my wagon's about to get off the road. George and Willie, they were fussing about, was Jesus white or black? They've been long, long adult friends. Jesus white, George was white, Jesus is white. Willie said, no, he's not, he's black. Don't get nervous, some of you. They were headed to the golf course, head-on collision, and both of them died and appeared before St. Peter. This is not scripturally sound, by the way. They both appeared before St. Peter at the same time. George looked at Willie, and Willie looked at George and said, wow. George said, Willie, we're about to get our question answered right now. St. Peter, we have fussed all these years. Willie says Jesus is black. I say he's white. Can we meet him? St. Peter said, sure. You can meet him. He said, here he is right now. Jesus walked up, looked at him, and said, buenos dias. <laughs> What do you think about that? <laughs> that was a narrow road story. <laughs> you see, here's what I want to say with you. Religion is man's normal attempt to reach God. But Christ was God's weird way to touch man. In other words, there's no way a supreme God who is a creator would send his only begotten son down to earthen vessels who are unholy, nasty, human moorings, no value whatsoever that God would send his son Jesus. That's weird. But Jesus said, no, Father, if I don't help them, they're eternally lost. So regardless of what others may think, it is not my will, but your will 
be done. We say that every day in our own lives, in our own walk. Paul steps forward. He's the elite. He's the elite religious person, the elite scripture of the law teacher. Here's what he says in Philippians 3 verse 4. I myself, this is Paul talking, I myself have reason for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church and killing a lot of them, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. I was the standard, the representing religion. What does he mean? I was raised in the best household. If it had been a contemporary testimony, young people, here's how it would have went. He said, I was born in a pastor's home, raised in a pastor's family, went to a Christian school, K through 12, then went to a Bible university, graduated top of the class, especially in Bible, only listening to Christian music, no secular music that I ever listened to whatsoever, and I was baptized by Billy Graham in the Jordan River. (laughs) Buddy, I'm on the mark. But let me tell you what he said. In spite of all that, he continues, but whatever was my profit, I considered a loss for the sake of Christ. He goes on to say and says it was rubbish. And the word for rubbish out of the Greek is dung. And if you Google that, you'll find a more contemporary term, of which I will not share. In other words, he said that's all it was. How would you feel if you lived your whole life being a good person, a religious person, and you got to the end of the day, and God called your number and you got there. He said, I'm sorry, depart from me. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Why? Because you never one time asked forgiveness and asked me to come into your heart. And you came close one time, but you weren't willing to pick up your cross. You weren't willing to die to your own opinion and behavior. What you wanted was a little bit of religion and some of the benefits, but you wanted what you wanted. And more times than not, what you wanted was the order of the day. You never one time really sacrificed You never one time really brought up my name in a positive way. You never one time tried to tell your children what the real priorities of life were. Oh, yeah, you were a good person. But you never bowed yourself. You never humbled yourself. And you never lived out what you thought you believed. How sad How sad would that be? He says, my gain was not found in my religious efforts, but in my relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Paul writes in Philippians 3 verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I believe you, God. So what was Jesus? What were his teachings? He taught weird stuff. Here's some of them. He taught weird stuff. He said, okay, uh, listen, if somebody slaps you in the face, turn, turn the other cheek. Oh, that's weird teaching. You don't do that. That's, that's against the law. Somebody curses you out, you just offer them forgiveness. Someone says, you, you, you can't be first. That's okay. Be the least and be the last and be happy with that. He said, understand, somebody gives to you, consider that a blessing. He said, if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. And if you want somebody hits you, then you don't hit them back. You pray for those people that insult you. You say, that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's why that the way that is wide, many there go in. And the road that's narrow, few find it. Amen. So we have a tall order to fill if we are professing Christians. And it's an easy order to fill if you're in love with Jesus. If you understand what it means to be able to live your life and say, God, I don't have to use curse words anymore. I don't have to let my temper rule me. I don't have to engage in gossip like other people. God, I I don't want to be the person that just walks the fence. I want to be all in in loving you. God, I don't want to hear the Word of God and just not pay any attention to what it says, even though I'm convicted about it and I don't do anything about it. God, I want to know. I want to know that you approve of my life. I want to know that I'm bringing pleasure to you. I don't want. Here's what else Jesus said. It was weird. He said, hey, if the temple is destroyed three days, I'm going to rebuild it. They thought, wow, here's a nutcase. That's weird. Three days he's going to rebuild the temple? You know, he did. He did do it, but it wasn't the temple that's there. Our young people are under the gun all the time. Do you know what they see? They hear far too, they see far too many Christians that are professing Christians that don't follow the walk. That they don't. They see individuals that often will raise their hand, hallelujah. And if they see them out in the business world or out in a general way, they don't see the kind of life. You see, they don't understand that. They don't understand, they don't understand the begrading that takes place. What they're looking for are real men and women of God that love Jesus that will make it work, that will sacrifice, that will give of themselves, that will not complain, that will, in fact, be there. Young people are looking for some examples to say, boy, you're there on Sunday morning, but we're here and we don't ever see you anywhere else and plugged into nothing, nothing, plugged into nothing. Oh, you say you don't think they have a right? They have every right to call adults into account of living in a way by what they say. Amen. Come on now. I need a few more amens. I'm not going to stay up here by myself. But the point is, we need that help. So finally, Jesus said, how can I wrap it all up? He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. 
Here it is. Wow, that was a moment. Here's what else he did. He had what we call the Last Supper. He had Judas and Peter there. He already knew what Peter was going to do. And he already knew what Judas was going to do. But you know what he did? Y'all come on to supper. Even though he knew one was going to deny and the other was going to betray. Come on, sit down. This is your time of fellowship. I'm going to do some teaching here. And you're going to need to hear it. Peter said, I'll tell you what. I won't deny. No way. Not me. Won't ever happen. Pride. I'm standing on my religion. Judas. Judas realized the minute that he failed God. The minute he threw the money back. Thought, what in the world have I done? The door peeked open and I bit the bait. And this is what Jesus was teaching. When you get fed up and feeling like you're sacrificing and the church is calling you and you get to the place of my neighbors, look at my, don't judge, don't look at your neighbors. Look at the man on the cross who gave it all. Amen. And you know what else? He gave it all and he said, hey, Blackburn, preacher man, if you're going to be the best that you can be, you give it all. I went home the other day. I don't know what time it was. I had some papers and Sharon needed to sign. So I ran home. I do, I do my stuff in increments. You know, based on my study, if I hit a dry spell, I get, I can run here, run there, make these calls, do that. But everything pretty well is lickety split. How many understand that? It's like, hey, you know, I didn't come down, sit down here two hours about your life. Somebody said you didn't know. We'll schedule an appointment for two hours to do that. But get, get going because you got so many other things. And I went. She said, I'm not feeling good. And something, she told me something about, um, you know, what, about some issue that she was concerned with, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, okay, well, well, that's good. Well, you know, here we go. And then will you sign right here? Let's get this done. I, I, I think I left my car running, but signed this right here. And she told me, and she signed it, and I went to turn to take off. And she said, um, well, aren't you going to pray for me? Just hose you down, boy. Aren't you going to pray for me? Nothing else at that moment mattered except the man of God was about to rush in here in need and rush out without doing the narrow road stuff. The number one priority in my life at that moment was you better know I'm going to pray for you. We're going to believe God together. Amen. You see, when you're walking that narrow road, you have those little voices that speak to you. It's not because you're loony. It's because he's got something to say that will enhance your journey 
so that here's what you'll find that you walk on that narrow road you won't have any regrets and occasionally along the way you'll run into an ice cream car on the side of the road and occasionally some fresh lemonade and occasionally you'll run into some sweet chocolate cake and occasionally you'll run into some black eyed peas and cornbread sometimes you'll run into some fried chicken I know it's just going to be there with all my heart you're going to say well this is not so bad but on the wide road you can get anything you want anytime you want but have you ever noticed that when you get anything you want anytime you want that you don't appreciate it Would you stand? I'm just going to wrap it right here. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He's given it up. He's saying, Father, in your hands I I commit my spirit. That was weird. That's strange. So he died. Everybody that's ever died that you know is dead. On the third day, the Christians weren't thinking. They didn't understand on the third day I'll rebuild the temple. But God in his infinite wisdom knew it. And on the third day, without a committee, without a vote, but by divine declaration as recorded in this book, And on the third day, he will burst forth out of the tomb and forever and ever be alive. So that one weird act that people would not understand, lay down your life for your friends, that you and I would benefit that when we die, one day the trumpet is going to sound. Amen. I wish I had a trumpet right now. The trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to arise. And those of us who are alive shall be caught up and meet the Lord in the air. Why? Because we remain truthful to that narrow road. We remain committed and Jesus remained committed to the will of the heavenly father. So when we went to Honduras, there are going to be hundreds of kids who found that narrow road. People, we did the Circle J. There are going to be hundreds of kids who found the narrow road. Hallelujah. And when that trumpet sounds, should the Lord tarry, guess what? They're going to say some weird person took a week of their vacation, came out here and sweat, not perspire. Perspire is lawn talk. Sweat is yard talk, friend. There is a difference. And they sweated so I could have the gospel. Don't you want to live that way? Don't you want to love him that way? Let's bow our heads. Can we do that right now and repeat this prayer after me right here in the audience and those of you listening online, let's repeat it. Dear Jesus, forgive me. I have failed. I've made mistakes. I have wandered away. 
but this morning I'm coming home. I need forgiveness. I confess my sins. I believe by faith that you have forgiven me. So here's my heart and here's my life. I choose to walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song. James 5 says if you're sick, you need a, need a touch of God. You need a special number. You know what I think? If I said, hey, folks, I, I have right down here. I know the lottery is next week and I already have on Wednesday's lottery. If you come down here, I'm going to give you the, the final number of the winning combination. How many of you are interested on the final number? It's only going to meet a million and a half dollars for you. How many of you do you think would come? Well, Pastor, if you'd leave, I'd come down. <laughs> I got the combination. You see, here's what Jesus wants to do. He says, I've got just what you need if you want to come down and get it right now. We sing. I'll give the benediction. Just a moment. Stay with me. Here we go. Father, I thank you this morning for the Word of God. We didn't water it down. We didn't do that. We preached it in love and tried to reason with everyone that's here. But Father, if we feel conviction, we thank you for that conviction. Because the conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit that says you're trying to identify a need in our life you'd like to fix. And we need it fixed, God. We want to live the kind of life that's pleasing to you. We know that we make mistakes and errors, but we are so thankful for the grace and the mercy. God, would you just touch us? Let us be better than we have been than when we came in. And would you heal people and minister and touch their understanding so they can grasp hold of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if they start right there in the book of John or Matthew or any of the gospels and read right on through to Romans and First and Second Corinthians, God, their life's going to be extremely, if they take a look at Philippians, they're going to be filled with joy and understanding. It's all right there in the book and can be found rather easily. Bless and give favor to every family and every business as they follow you, God, as they follow you. So here's what we know. That wide way that says, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, I want to make my own decisions all the time, will lead to destruction. But that narrow road that few find, I'm one of the ones that found it. And in that, I have eternal life. Give us favor, bring us back tonight to hear the message love demonstrated and give us grace and mercy all week. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. God bless you as we go in the Lord.